This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 6th of September 2021. And Norman... There's a lot of different uh, coronavirus debates happening around Australia at the moment between different state premiers. But one of the ones that cropped up last week was this idea that perhaps the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said, well, maybe we shouldn't be reopening until kids can be vaccinated because we're seeing a lot more kids uh, infections in kids with this Delta variant than we saw with previous variants of the virus. And to that, some people said, well, A, we've the Doherty Institute report, which was everyone signed on to, doesn't talk about that. And B, there aren't even actually any coronavirus vaccines that are approved for use in kids yet. So how do we go forward if that's something that we're aspiring to when it's not really an option at the moment? So interestingly, the Americans are ahead of us here, unfortunately, because they've had a huge surge in Delta, particularly in the unvaccinated states of the United States. And along with that surge, they've had a surge of uh, children being hospitalized and some of them becoming quite seriously ill. So in the last two or three days, the Centers for Disease Control has issued a paper looking at hospitalizations associated with children and adolescents between March, beginning of March uh, 2020 and the middle of August 2021, just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this is across 14 states, of course, the United States. And the headline here is that there has recently, since the rise of the Delta variant, been a tenfold increase in hospitalizations amongst kids aged not four. And there's also been a higher rate of hospitalization amongst unvaccinated adolescents. So what it's shown is that the rate of hospitalization in Delta with adolescents who are unvaccinated is 10 times higher. So showing that vaccination is really effective with adolescents, 12 to 15 year olds, in getting their hospitalisation risk down. And in Australia, I think kids are able to be vaccinated if they're over the age of 12 from the 13th of this month. That's right. Reassuringly, what the data also show is that the rate of hospitalisation with Delta is no greater amongst younger children than it was with the Alpha or indeed the Wuhan, the ancestral the ancestral virus. So that's good news. We're not dealing with a more virulent virus in terms of children. And what the CDC recommend is that uh, all kids aged two and up wear masks. You can get a two-year-old to wear a mask in public <laughs> indoor spaces and in childcare centres just for um, additional protection if that's at all possible. But the vaccine is problematic and a group of paediatricians in the United States have written to the Food and Drug Administration asking them to speed up the approval of a vaccine for children, acknowledging that you really want to be sure that the vaccine is safe but that the risks are sufficiently high at the moment because the numbers are high to try and get kids immunised. Other estimates of when a vaccine might be available are really not until February or March until 2022, and that's the United States, much less Australia. So really, this is a vaccine that's not going to happen very quickly. The um, risk of Delta is no greater than previously, but if numbers go up, then more children will be infected just proportionately. Yeah, Professor Peter Doherty, our our homegrown our Nobel laureate immunologist, was tweeting over the weekend saying a, a problem politically and we're talking about kids here, so let's not be flippant. But even though they're much less likely to develop severe disease, once everyone's vaccinated, they're going to be our dominant group because they're not protected and it's going to be a bad a bad look. And it's going to be 
bad for some kids. The other data from the United States is that most, although it's not published, but um, I certainly covered it on Sim30 recently, is a lot of the kids who get really sick are have actually got other complications, such as obesity, particularly also disability. And maybe there's a there's a pathway to immunizing kids with other complications, which is what they started to do with 12 to 15-year-olds, but maybe that could start to apply to younger kids where the risk-benefit ratio is greater, which is really what the uh, pediatricians in the United States were implying in their letter to the Food and Drug Administration. So yes, kids is one topic that we get a lot of questions about on Coronacast. And another one is whether being vaccinated reduces your risk of getting long COVID, because we know that some people who get vaccinated can still get sick, generally less sick with this virus. Um, and people want to know if that translates to being less likely to have those long long symptoms. There was a bit of news coverage about a particular study that, that's come out of the UK over the weekend, Norman, uh, sort of saying that, yes, that's the case. So what do we know about this study? The study was primarily in checking who, who were most at risk of getting post-vaccination infection, in other words, breakthrough infections. Let's just cover that first because that's what people want to know about as well. You, you, you get immunised, what are my chances of being um, of getting a breakthrough infection. And what they found in this study, which is really a self-reported study of people who've registered for a mobile app, is that frail elderly people are more uh, likely to get post-vaccination infection, which is not surprising since they've got compromised immune systems. People living in areas with high deprivation, they're at increased risk. That could, particularly following their first vaccine dose, that's um, not surprising either since you can get quite large doses of virus, if you like, when you're living in in poor housing, um, in multi-generational families. People who are obese had higher odds of infection, particularly following their first dose. So as a side thing, they also showed that uh, there were still reduced odds of hospitalization. So in other words, you were the vaccines were working about with hospitalization. And that in terms of symptoms that lasted more than four weeks, they were reduced maybe around about a half. But it was a self-reported study and other studies going to be needed here. But the, the, the news is basically good and it tends to zero in on the people who probably need to be watched pretty closely for boosters and reinfection. Right. So even though this wasn't specifically about long COVID, it's a hopeful pointing towards, yes, you're probably less likely to get it if you're vaccinated. Yep, that's right. And on vaccines more broadly, there's also some... New evidence about AstraZeneca booster doses. We, we talked about Pfizer booster doses last week, Norman, and uh, it also looks like a, an AstraZeneca booster is a really effective way of boosting your immune system. Yeah, this is a study. Um, it's a very small study, so you, you, you probably need further studies just to be absolutely sure. But it, it looked at people who had had, who were on the original Astra trials, but also another trial looking at booster shots. And what they showed was that, and it really was focused on lower income countries who might have a shortage of supply. And if you only got one Astra dose and it took you maybe six months to get your second dose, what was the antibody response? And then they also looked at, more generally at a third dose after you'd had your first regular two doses of, Astra, of AstraZeneca. And what they showed was that even six months or so after your first dose of Astra, you got a very good response with your second dose. So that's pretty good. And that they showed that the third dose of the vaccine produced very good antibody levels, and it also produced good cellular responses. And these are important responses because they really go to the memory of the infection and the ability to muster quite a deep immune response to the virus. So 
really the conclusion here is that you'd be in a pretty good shape if, you ha- if you'd had Astra in the past and you had a third Astra dose as your booster is going to work quite well. Are these studies indicating that we're just going to need booster shots every six months forever? Or is this like what you were saying about the Pfizer thing where perhaps it's the sort of vaccine that we're going to need a three-dose regime for and then boosters like further down the track? So these were people who didn't need boosters. They were given boosters as part of an experiment to see what happened to them. And what it showed was that if you gave a third-dose booster to people who'd had two doses of Astra in the past, you got a really good boost to the immune response. It was an independent, or it was independent of whether you actually needed a booster. It was what was the effect, scientifically, if you like, giving a third dose. And it showed that giving a third dose of Astra, in other words, you don't need to go to Pfizer for your third dose if you've had two Astras. If you go to a third dose of Astra, you'd get a pretty good response. It doesn't really go to this issue of how many you know, whether you're going to need boosters and how many you're going to need. It just shows you that you could stick with the same brand if you wanted to. And a question from someone who's submitted via abc.net.au slash coronacast, which you can do too, people, uh, asking, is anyone naturally immune to COVID? It's a really good question. Research done at the University of Western Australia many years ago suggested that for every infection, there is often a group of people in the community genetically who are a bit resistant to that infection just by the play of chance. So there are people who are resistant to HIV, for example. So it's likely that there are people somewhere out in the community who have a bit of resistance to coronavirus. But the evidence from the epidemiology when you look at the spread of COVID in the community is that they're few and far between because this virus just rockets through communities. And if you're going to bet your future that you are the one in a million people or whatever it is, because what the UWA research did show that it wasn't a common situation, but there were, there were people out there who had a natural, not necessarily natural, but probably a genetic resistance to some infectious diseases. But if you were going to throw the dice on you being that one person, um, I wouldn't. I don't know, Norman. My mum and dad always told me that I was very special. Well, you are special, Tegan. We all know you're special. Are you that special? That's the question. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm not taking my chances. I got my vaccine. Anyway, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. We'll catch you tomorrow. See you then. 